0: Okay, tonight's uh, class of Garden of Amunah is uh, focused on the Shavuot story. Our sages tell us that when the Jewish people a- were asked whether they will receive the Torah, whether they'll accept the Torah, and what did they answer? Na'aseh v'nishma. we will do and we will hear. We will do is action, we will hear is understanding. Over the hearing means Havana. There you have a classical situation of a statement of faith, which started our people as a people. At Mount Sinai, when our people started, when the, as the Jewish nation, what happened, it all began with the ultimate statement of faith. So today I'm not going to talk to you about the regular faith we've been talking about until now, faith that things are going to be good and so forth and so on. We're going to talk about a different type of faith today. We're talking about observance with faith. We're not talking about a person's worrying, where am I going to get to pay tomorrow's bills, or health, or, or uh, you know, whatever it may be, family issues. That's not, we were talking a lot about that type of faith. Let's talk about a different type of faith, observance with faith. So I'm going to give you the entire class in one story. What is the story? The story is as follows. There were once in a museum, a group of uh, people, and a commotion started. And the curator came running over, this is one of the finest museums, and they asked, guys, what are you making a commotion in the museum for? And one of the people said, would you believe that this guy here, looking at this priceless art from one of the most famous artists, and he said that he doesn't see what's so special about this painting. And he went on to explain that his child draws more realistic faces than this artist did, whether it would have been a Picasso or whatever. Hearing this commotion and hearing what was said, the curator turned around to this guy and says, is it true? He says, yeah, I don't see what's so special. Priceless museum. I don't see what's so special and priceless about this. So the curator went and told this person, sir, let me explain to you something. In this museum, the paintings that make it onto the walls of our museum are not here for your validation or stamp of approval. Quite the contrary. They're here to see whether you could appreciate finer art. Let's talk about the na'asev and We as humans, especially with all the blessings that God has given us, opening up the windows of knowledge to technology, medicine, so forth and so on, we may have become a little bit arrogant in thinking that everything needs our stamp of approval. Everything, if it is to have any true value, it's because we validate that it has value. We validate this is right or this is wrong. And thus this story comes to us as a shocker a human being is being told that, no, actually, you're not the judge. This painting will not go up or down in value by your validating it or your ridiculing it, but quite the contrary. What will take place in this conversation of your understanding the pricelessness of this art is a statement about you you will be validated or you will not be validated in your appreciation of finer art. A very powerful, humbling story, which if you remember just this story, you will have how to remember tonight's entire lecture. This story is the story of the entire lecture tonight. Because when God came to us with the Torah, the Torah was is and will forever not need our validation whether it is right or not, holy or not, perfect or not. When God chose to give His precious Torah to the human being, in particular to the Jewish people, the question wasn't whether, okay, Let's see if the Torah has any real value. Let's see what the humans say about it. No. It was actually a quite contrary act. It was, let's see whether the human beings could be validated. Let's see if they can step out of their ego, finite capacity of right and wrong pious or not pious. Let's see if they can open up to an infinite set of knowledge, set of rules, set of standards. So this story really is a story of Matan Torah. The Torah coming down from heaven is not in need of our validation. It's here to see whether we, the human being, can appreciate higher principles, not just to be a mensch, but to be divine. With that being said, let's focus a little more on the details. In the Torah, there are three categories of mitzvot. I'm now going to focus only on two of them. One is called Mishpatim, judgments, and one is called Chukim, statutes. Mishpatim is exactly the way it sounds. If you used your better judgment, you would have understood this by yourself. So much so that the Talmud tells us that were God not have to have given us the judgments, we could Mishpatim, we could have learned it from the animal kingdom. Modesty from a cat, honesty from an ant, so forth and so on. So, when we talk about Mishpatim, we're talking about logical judgments. Honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't steal. And the story goes on and on and on. That whole category of Mitzvot, which is just logical, and we would have come to those conclusions even by just studying the animal kingdom. Number one. Number two, chukim. Chukim is statutes. Chukim are the mitzvot that make absolutely no logical rationale, reasons to it. We do them because God said so. So much so that Rashi teaches us that the nations of the world will taunt us with them. And what we will have to answer is, God says that it is my decree, and you shall do it. That simple. There is no reason, logic. It is true, Maimonides always tries to learn out a moral lesson. Um, King Solomon went on to try to find reasons to the chukim, but at the end of the day, chukim remain chukim. And they're called chukim because... They are the transrational laws of the Torah. Why do we do it? God said so, period. It is my decree, and you have no right to ponder it. It is what it is. Understanding this, let's go to a very interesting statement. The world says as follows. The world says, if only we were able, they wish upon themselves, upon everyone, if only we were able to fulfill the statutes, the illogical, the transrational, with the same pleasure that we fulfill the rational. Because when you understand what you're doing, you do it with greater zest. If someone tells you do it, why? It doesn't make a difference, why? Just do it, I told you to do it. You'll do it, but you'll be lacking the zest. You'll be lacking the joy. It's very hard to do something with joy when you don't understand at all why this needs to be done. So the world says, if only we were able to perform the, jud- the, the uh, statutes with the same feelings and the same joy that we perform and observe the judgments. Comes the previous Rebbe, and the previous Rebbe says the exact opposite. He said that he wishes that we would be able to perform the judgments that we do understand with the same obedience that we perform the statutes, the chukim. In other words, the fact that I understand why I'm doing it gets in the way of me doing it for the sole reason that God said so. It's hard for me to do it for the sole reason that God said so, because I simply, logically, morally understand why this has to be done or why this is not allowed to be done. Thou shall not kill, thou shall not murder. It's hard for us to say that the only reason why I'm not murdering is because God told me not to murder. Because we were brought up to know you don't murder, it's the wrong thing to do. You don't steal and so forth and so on. So the previous Rebbe goes ahead and says, quite contrary to everything that the world says. The world says, if only we would be able to perform statutes with the same joy that we perform the rational mitzvahs of Mishpatim. The previous Rebbe says, if only we would be able to perform the rational judgments with the same selfless obedience that we perform the statutes. So much so that in the teachings of Hasidus and Kabbalah we're taught that every mitzvah encompasses two powers of Ratson will. Two reasons why they're performed. One reason is because of whatever the reason of this specific mitzvah is, whatever the kavanah, the intention, whatever divinity is drawn down through this mitzvah. And then there's the more general encompassing reason, which is, it is the will of God. So we're very focused, even when you do understand a divine, moral reason For performing the mitzvah, don't forget the over-encompassing intention of every mitzvah is that this is God's will. So the faith we're talking about today is the faith in observance of Torah and mitzvot. It is the faith of (laughs) na'aseh v'nishma. We will do and we will understand. And now the question becomes, why? Why is the obedience of Chukim, in the way the previous Rebbe presents it, more important, more fundamental than the rationale of Mishpatim? What was so important that the Jews said, We will do and we will hear? What would be wrong if we acted rationale? I mean, God is the one that gave the human the brain. God is the one that gave us the mandate to use our brain. So what would be wrong if saying, yes, let us hear and we'll do? Rather than saying, no, we will do and we will hear. And in heaven they proclaimed, who gave the secret of angels to The sons of humans, the sons and daughters of humans, that's an angelic thing to say, not a human thing to say. The human always wants to, well, one second, first let me hear what I'm agreeing to and then I'm going to tell you if I agree. It's an angelic thing to say, I agree. What did I just agree to? To the point that every single Jew was gifted with two crowns because they said, Na'aseb, before Nishma. To understand this, let us understand what is what is the purpose of Torah and mitzvot. What is the ultimate goal of the descent of the soul from heaven into earth? What is the ultimate desire that God had when he created the world? According to the teachings... We understand that the ultimate purpose of the Torah is not to serve as a moral constitution. The laws of Torah are extremely different than the laws of a constitution. Constitution is the product of civilization as it grows in its understanding of how And what is needed to protect the morality of a civilization Torah is not like that at all Torah is not the product of a civilization Torah is not the product of running a moral civilization rather Torah is about divinity Torah is about bringing heavenly days upon earth Torah If we look into the bigger picture, Torah is the amazing concept of bringing infinite into the finite. When we study about what is God's desire in creating the world, the answer is that God desired that the finite physical world should be the ultimate abode, home, for the essence in its fullest, infinite glory. If we understand this, if we understand that the gift of Torah is to allow the human being to enter into a way of life of divinity, then we need to understand that what part of the human can open itself up to the infinite? It is not the mind. Because human intellect, at its greatest capacity, has a beginning and an end. And therefore, if God is only a God that I can understand, then God ultimately needs to be as small as I am. If Torah and mitzvahs can only be validated by my understanding that they're right and that they're purposeful, then the intellect of the Torah can only be as small as I am. Which even in the greatest human mind defines itself as finite, which is small in the face of the infinite. So when we tell God, God, I'm willing to get into a relationship with you, I'm willing to do what you want me to do, as long as I understand. If that would have been the answer, na'aseh Vinishma, first let me, I'm sorry, nishma v'na'aseh, first let me understand, first let me go ahead and validate what's being said, because I agree with this mitzvah, then please understand that the relationship then is not based upon the infinite essence of God, it's based upon the finite capacity of my understanding. And thus, ultimately speaking, the relationship is not about God, it's about me and how much of God I can absorb and validate. While on the other hand, when the Jews answered, Na'ase then what they told God was, we're willing to leave go of our own capacity our own parameters allowing for your infinite to flow through us. Because my not understanding does not get in the way. My obedience allows for me to have a relationship with the infinite wisdom of God placed in Torah. And that is why The statement had to be a statement of faith because the human intellect is a beautiful gift and tool from God, but it is not the correct tool upon which to build a relationship with the infinite, with God. Faith is the tool that God gave us, which allows us to have an absolute relationship. With the infinite. My understanding or my feeling does not get into the way. If this is what God wants, this is what I will do. So tonight we're talking about faith. Not as we've been talking about so many times before. Faith it will be good think good, it will be good, we're talking about now more the service of faith in our observance of Torah and mitzvot. And we're understanding how pivotal and fundamental this is because if not, we're having a relationship with ourselves, not with God. We're doing what makes sense to us, we're doing what we enjoy, and we're having difficulties in doing what we don't understand or doing what we don't enjoy. So if we understand that the holiday of Shavuot is the relationship between the finite creation and the ultimate infinite creator, then we must understand that faith needs to be the foundation, and upon faith, we will then go ahead and build intellect. We will use our brains to understand what we've already accepted, so that our not the, our accepting of something, not be dependent upon today's. Capacity of my understanding. Simply speaking, in life, most of life, this is how we behave. We don't not do something until we fully understand it. For example, an example I saw one of the letters of the Rebbe. You go to a doctor and he gives you a medicine. You don't tell the doctor, I won't be taking this medicine until I understand exactly how it works. It's not the way it works. And if you think about growing up, imagine you would have told your parent, no, I'm not doing this until I understand. And this is already between two finite humans, the child and the parent, The difference is a finite difference of experience, study, and intellect. The child will one day grow up, God willing to understand everything the father understands, or maybe even more, the dream of every parent. And on the other hand, even with the doctor, over there it just happens to be that that's not where you put your intellectual capacity. You went to study law, you went to study something else and yet nevertheless even over here you have enough common sense to say i cannot make me the ultimate opinion of every single situation because i'm not gifted in knowing what everyone knows so if this person spent his life studying medicine and tells me that this is the situation then even halacha says that's correct you have having the laws of Yom Kippur, fasting or not fasting. You listen to a doctor. The rabbi doesn't tell the doctor, explain to me why you said this and how. The rabbi asks the doctor. The doctor says this person must eat Yom Kippur. And the rabbi has to say, yes, you have to eat Yom Kippur. Now, if this is between humans, relative, comparative powers of intellect, how much more so when it comes to God? Think to yourself, you tell, no, I'm not going to light Shabbos candles until I understand exactly what's being accomplished in the upper spiritual worlds, in the lower worlds. Why does God need me to light Shabbos candles? Why does God need me to put on tefillin? Why does God need me to eat kosher and not to eat non-kosher? So understand that the whole foundation of the Jewish people was and remains that when God asked them if you're willing to accept my Torah, they didn't subject God's infinite wisdom of Torah to the finite validation of the finite human mind. They were able to let go in their faith and say, If this is what God says, then this is what it shall be. This is what it should be. And God will give me the power that this is what it will be. Very often, you find that the Baal Shem Tov his successor, his successor's successors, all the Rebbe's, very often they've been asked the power of a Rebbe, simply in the, in the definition of a Rebbe as a teacher. The power of a Rebbe as a teacher is his mind, his knowledge of Torah. So seemingly a Rebbe should be spending his entire days surrounded only with the brightest and the most intellectual. And yet from the Baal Shem you find that every Rebbe took a very close relationship and liking to simple Jews, Jews that weren't capable of studying great depths of Torah. And someone once asked our Rebbe, why? This is what I heard, I did not see it right in writing. So why does the Rebbe spend so much time with the simple Jews? When you sit and you read and you learn the Rebbe's teachings, you realize the Rebbe should be spending his time with the elite of the elite, teaching them Torah and then let them teach it and then teach it and then teach and create a pyramid. Why is the Rebbe spending so much time with simple Jews? So the question the Rebbe was asked was, why do you spend time with simple Jews and not with the more educated, intellectual Jews? And the Rebbe's answer was, "Was what do I have from the intellectuals? Now let's just understand simply, I mean, assuming that the story is correct because I didn't see it and I read it, I didn't see it written by the Rebbe in a letter signed or anything, but assuming the story is correct, let's understand what the Rebbe is saying so we can appreciate everything we, spo- we spoke about today. So if the Rebbe tells an intellectual person, that Rebbe needs something done. This needs to be done. I need you to go out to this and this place and then find this and this Jew and, and study with him Torah or whatever it may be. Go, go to this place and then and, uh, open a yeshiva, whatever it's going to be. And the Rebbe is going to talk to the intellectuals, and the intellectuals are going to say, One sec, we don't understand why. Why should we? Why do we have to do this? Versus when the Rebbe tells a simple Jew, I need you to move to this and this city and do this and this thing. The simple Jew, what is his answer? Hinani. Let's do it. So you understand the Rebbe's answer that if I have to sit and argue with these people until they understand what I understand and then agree to do it, nothing will ever get done. Let's go back to the Nas of Inishma. If no Jew is willing to live a divine life until they understand divinity, God's business is going bankrupt. It's never happening. But with that gift that God gave the Jewish people, that power of faith that leads straight into the power of obedience, you said, I'm doing it. And that's why faith, not intellect, faith is the foundation of what made us the people we are. Because at Mount Sinai, we all knew immediately to answer, Na'aseh v'nishma." We will first do, and then we will understand. And that's why you saw in the Facebook message that went out about this class. The faith that we're talking about today, again, the faith of action. The faith of how we do mitzvot. Of how we grow in our relationship with God. You'll see over there that I wrote that our relationship with God depends upon us being willing to put forward our foot of faith and obedience before our faith of rationale and understanding. So if you were to look at the journey of Judaism as two legs, one leg obedience and faith, and the other leg, rationale and understanding. Please understand that the only way this journey can be walked is first put forward your foot of faith and obedience, and after that, immediately bring forward your foot of logic and understanding, and then take the next step. How do you take the next step? Once again, bring forward first your foot of obedience and faith, And then of logic and understanding because otherwise this journey with God is about making God as small as we can appreciate rather than opening up ourselves to become true abodes and vessels and pipelines for infinite essence of God thus we understand why once again this Wednesday, we need to reenact that power of understanding that and I want to close again with the same story I started so that the class sinks in well you just have one story to remember and then the details will come back to you the paintings that make it onto the walls of this museum are not here for your approval or validation. They're here to see whether you can appreciate, learn to appreciate finer art. Every time you open up a Gemara, think of that story. The sages and the teachings on this page are not here waiting for you to validate them and approve of them. They're here to see whether you can appreciate, learn to appreciate a higher standard of intellect, a divine standard of intellect. The next time you perform a mitzvah, think about the story. The mitzvahs are not here for us to say, oh, this, this makes sense. I can see how this makes me a better person. They're not here waiting for our validation and approval. They're here to see whether we can live the life of higher beings. That's really what faith is all about in day-to-day observance of Torah and mitzvahs. A little bit different than the faith we've been talking about in the last classes. In the last classes, we were talking about faith in God, that it's going to be okay and God gives me the strength, and it's going to work out all right. Learning how not to worry. Today we're talking about the Shavuos faith. Today we're talking about the faith of accepting Torah and mitzvahs, and the faith with which we observe and study Torah and mitzvahs. And thus, we now understand again what the previous Rebbe said. If only we would keep the logical, rational mitzvahs of mishpatim with the same obedience that we keep the statutes, the irrational, the transrational would be the right word, chukim. Because when we don't steal with obedience, then even that act becomes a vessel through which flows infinite. While if I only don't steal because I morally understand it's wrong to steal, then through it only flows the finite capacity of my understanding of right and wrong, morality and immorality. So it's all about naase v'nishma. We will do and we will hear. Faith, obedience, followed then by rational and understanding. And then immediately taking the next step forward with faith and obedience. Following it up again by more study, more intellectual absorption. That's tonight's class, guys. Have a wonderful Shavuot. And as the previous Rebbe would always say, and the Rebbe would always repeat it in the previous Rebbe's name, may we accept the Torah, may we receive the Torah, and accept the Torah internally and with joy.